0: Welcome back to the Boardroom Banter Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the journeys, ideas, and reflections of the incredible people who are building a better tomorrow. This is a conversation by builders and for builders. Whether you're building a career, your skills, a startup, or even a life that you can be massively proud of, we give you an exclusive behind the scenes look into the thoughts and stories of our amazing peers and mentors. are doing just that so sit back take a deep breath and get ready to step into the boardroom good morning good evening good afternoon to everybody listening to the podcast you're tuned into the boardroom banter podcast and i'm your host sean karanja and in the studio today with me i have an amazing guest who i am going to go ahead and introduce in a bit but Cut things short i hope you guys have been listening to all our previous episodes we've been dropping consistently as usual you know how it is tuesdays we've got our guest episodes where we talk to movers and shakers in their different industries and yeah they basically give us a bit more about who they are what their lives have been like thus far uh, we discuss current trends in the different industries that they're into and also some prevailing ideas that you know they have been a part of working on or are in the process of implementing. We talk about all that good stuff on Tuesdays. On Fridays, we've got our Founders Fridays episodes where you join myself, Yuri, and Boniface in the boardroom where we talk about some of the previous guest episodes, some stuff that we've learned. And usually these are pretty much unscripted, but we think of you know certain topics to shape our conversations. And yeah, it just flows from there. And we find that it's super insightful as we get to also reflect on some of the awesome guests that we've had on our Tuesdays. Now, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Uh, in the boardroom, we've got Sergey Voropaev, who is uh, Russian by birth, but is joining us out of Paris right now. And just a bit of background about sergey so he's an executive level leader with 18 plus years of experience in operations consulting supply chain and business development he's got a multicultural and multilingual career that has spanned you know north america europe middle east central asia you name it right so he's been working mainly in energy consulting education and the it industries so these are some of the things that You know, we're also pretty excited to dig in with Sergey about because a lot of those interests are some of the things that us in the boardroom are also into. So, yeah, some of the companies he's worked for are Schlumberger, BP, Shell, right? So, a, a bit in the energy industries. And also, he's got entrepreneurial backgrounds, right? So, he was a co founder of a startup called SMS Spanish Experience. And he likes to consider himself a lifelong learner. Now, on that note, Sergei, welcome to the boardroom. It's awesome to have you here. How are you doing?
1: Thank you, Sean. Uh, thanks for invite. I'm doing fine. Uh, hope the same on your side. Thanks a lot for introduction. It's, you know, sometimes it's very interesting to hear about yourself from the, you know, from
0: another side. So it's, it's a bit uh, right. awkward, but uh, <laughs> thanks for invite. Anytime, Sergey. So tell us where where are you joining us in from right now. So I'm
1: uh, I'm actually living now in France uh, in Paris, so that's where I'm, I'm I'm joining you as as you mentioned. I'm Russian by origin, and I have been uh, pretty much traveling all around the places, right, and working in different countries
0: since then. Yeah. So w- w- would you consider yourself more like a digital nomad, like someone who? you know, is able to work from anywhere, or, you know, do you like to set up at different corporate spaces in these countries you go to, you know, what's, what's your style about that? I'm I'm curious. Yeah, no, uh, well, I would say no
1: to your question. I don't think I'm qualified as a digital nomad, right? (laughs) Um, I, I feel about myself more as like a multicultural person in a sense, right? um yeah. you know my career just took me in different places to work and uh but i i have to say i enjoyed it a lot uh i don't really uh i well maybe it's i don't travel for work it's just more of the uh it happens so um yeah but i guess when you get in the family getting settled a little bit the things changing slightly as well
0: awesome so just on that note r- run us through who you are, Sergey? Like, what's? How would you describe yourself to someone you, you've just met? Right? What's what's your day to day? Kind of. Uh, what, what are the different hats that you tend to wear? Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's changed uh, during the uh, the career life, but uh, I would say most recently, uh, I'm working in consulting, so I'm uh, I'm a senior consultant manager, and in a sense, I have I would say three different hats. So I have a hat of the uh, sales manager, so pretty much business development, you know, meeting with new clients, talking to them, understanding the issues, seeing what can we do from our side to help them. The second hat uh, is a consultant head. so pretty much it's the same clients, where I'm trying to diagnose the problems, pretty much like a doctor in a sense, right? Understand what are the issues they have, what is the the many problems and how can we solve it, right? So what, what do we need to do in terms of what solutions we have in our arsenal to propose to them uh, to get their problems addressed? And then actually I'm the project manager, if you will, uh, who is running the projects, right? So the, the ones, the solutions we propose them to the client, then it's also up to me to make sure I form the team from my colleagues, and we actually execute the project, right? And, and get this uh, resolution uh, or treatment to the client business so the uh, uh the problem is solved
0: awesome so walk us through you know what what your early career life looked like right so leading up to where you're at right now uh, okay. you know what, what what did that really look like for you Ooh, okay that's a long story though but yeah is it uh, <laughs>
1: I think I, uh, well, I started working when I was at the university, right? I guess like many, uh, yeah. many of people all around the world, right? Uh, doing some part-time work. I was actually working in a, first in a tourism business, uh, and then I was working in the recruiting business. And um, since when I, when I finished university, I straight away wanted to kind of embark on a career. And I think at that time, it was, for me, I put kind of a very clear criteria of what I would like to see from the company. And I wanted to see the company which is, you know, taking care of their people, meaning that, you know, I, I'm not going to have a problem with the safety or security or anything, anything like that. Um, that would be the company which kind of takes care of my career or gives me opportunity and gives me the challenges every day to develop my career. And, uh, you know, perhaps is a company which allows me to uh, satisfy a little bit my um, uh, passion for traveling, right? And, you know, being in different countries. And, you know, based on the criteria, I applied to several companies. And uh, one of them, which was Slumberj, actually, one of my first company it has been very interesting right so during the interview process it was very exciting and I I really liked the idea of how they develop people and everything else and I joined the company and uh, I joined them with a very basic role as what is called a field engineer right so pretty much a trainee and then a field engineer who is working it's pretty much the startup of the in, in, in the company start positions and then later on, I was developing, right? So, I, as you mentioned, right, I've done the operational roles, I've done sales roles, I've done the um, charter roles. So it's different type of things, but um, I think that's you know what what really bought me uh, uh, in that company is that they they really were taking care of people, and they were thinking of how to develop people. They were thinking not only just you know they they were hiring people from different nationalities, so. I had a huge privilege to work with people from pretty much, I can't say all countries in the world, but many, many, many countries in the world, right? And it's super interesting because people come in with a different background, they come in with a different um, mindset, right? Even we all being engineers, we still have very different approaches to, to how to look at the things, right? And it's and it's very interesting, right? It's, it's, uh, it's very enriching for the career and it's very enriching personally-wise.
0: Yeah, right. You know, actually, in one of our previous episodes, we were we were just actually having a conversation about the different traits that certain cultures have, right. So, mm-hmm. you know, across the world, you'll find that, um, you know, and it's something that, you know, we even learn at, at, at business school, right, that different cultures have different ways and temperaments around how they go about business right and so yeah. you you as someone you know who would identify as being multicultural is, is that something that you you had to navigate and if so what were some of the big differences that you saw in in terms of how different uh, kinds of people work
1: it's also a very very big topic right i would say that uh, i mean you, you're absolutely right in what you're saying right so uh, the different cultures have different traditions and that's percolate to the business environment of course somebody may be more conservative somebody may be on the other you know on on, on the other way like uh, taking risks right etc etc so you have plenty of different uh, um, features right in, in a sense or different traditions in uh you, you go when you go from country to country and as a matter of fact uh, uh the uh, there is a huge uh, actually interest in such things right and you will see in the business world there's lots of professionals who actually uh working on a subject like this and they're helping the companies to understand for example you know i am in a, an american company and i would like to enter to france i have to know about certain things right i don't know for example you know not unlike uh in american culture in french culture it's it's a huge um thought about the vacation for example right and they and you have to know that in in august in france there's nothing happening because everybody has to take vacation right it's it's like a pretty much well, almost a religion right and uh, you would not see the same in U.S., right? So U.S. is very different. So, you know, if an American company, if I'm an American company, I'm coming to French market, so I have to learn things like that, right? And I normally would not know this in advance unless I have some French people in my company who I understand the mentality, I understand the language, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and there's, you know, there's quite serious companies uh, who are working actually and consulting other big corporations on how to deal with this cultural aspect. And it can become very, very um, complex, right? So, I mean, for example, in one of my roles, I was working as a charm manager or talent development manager for the uh, for the for the department of the company worldwide, right? And I had pretty much about two thousand managers who I was looking at their careers, how they develop, how to expose them to different environment, and you know, you see a lot of difference, right? And you know that. Uh, uh um, for example people from the asian culture i'm talking about like southeast Asia, right they're in general quite um uh, less you know less uh, they're more conservative they're more respectful to to the senior people they are less let's say uh, they're very risk avert etc cetera, etc cetera, right and uh, for them you know that they if you want to develop a very strong manager they will need to be exposed to the cultures which are more uh, straight, right? Which are more direct in a sense, right? Like American, for example, or perhaps like Northern European, like German cows, for example, right? When the people are very direct in how they uh, talk to you about the things, right? And that, you know, that, that brings a lot of interesting aspects, right? Uh, uh, in the companies in the world, right? Uh, you know, you talk about uh, surveys, for example, right? We like the company I worked for, slumber, for example. Or shell, uh, we've been doing surveys, right? And surveys about personnel, how they motivated, engaged, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, even when the people answer from different places, you see their answers are a bit uh, influenced by the culture. So you know, if you go to Mexico; the people are in general very optimistic, right? They're very happy people. So you know, there has to be a huge problem to to to, to get them a little bit uh, off track, right? Um, but for example, in France, people are generally they trying to improve the things every time, so everybody thinks they're complaining a lot, right? But in reality, they you know they always come to you and say that you know, I don't like this, this, and this. So it's very easy to get feedback, for example, from a French person, very tough to get it from the Mexican person, right? But you know, things like that when you work in a in a global management level, you have to think you you have to take into account. And you would see many companies actually put in the training for their people on how to work, how to operate in multicultural environment, right? And it's not only understanding the culture, but it's, it's being respectful to the culture, right? Because you need to understand that, you know, uh, I don't know, for example, in Muslim world, uh, in Islam, Ramadan is, is something very special, right? And you have to be knowledgeable about it. You have to be sensible about the cultural aspects like that, right? Not yeah. to uh, be seen very,
0: you
1: know, irrespectful, right, and very arrogant to a certain extent.
0: No, I, I I think that's actually a good, you know, it's 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 also a good thing about us living in, you know, what what they're now calling the global village, because that also allows for a lot of, you know, talent talent migration. Right, so okay. the counter argument to that would be: okay, this this brain drain happening from you know, let's say places like Kenya, where mm-hmm. you know someone has gone to study computer science and you know is now pursuing a career in let's say software engineering,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, they'd be because of access to information and access to data, which is also something that, you know, you, you started to pick up on right there when you're when you speaking of how you guys had to conduct a lot of surveys and, mm-hmm. you know, churning that data. And also, you know, these, all these platforms that publicize that data. And so a software engineer in Kenya can see that data and say, hey, actually, if I was working at a startup in London as, mm-hmm. you know, head of engineering at, at, at their software firm, I'd, I'd make, you know, multiples over what I'd be getting back home. And, you know, there's, there's that brain drain, there's that brain drain pressure, um, but also the excitement that we could also receive, you know, great minds from outside. So, you know, where, where have you seen some of those balances being met? Because you see that translate also into politics, you know, things like Brexit, where, for example those, there was a deep conversation there also about um, immigrants and whether mm-hmm. or not you know they wanted to maintain the same immigration policies as like the eu and other countries so you know what 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 has your experience with all these arguments and, and large themes of, of of the recent years been like
1: it's a very good question right but i think we need yeah. to separate a little bit the issues of different thematics right so there is a the political things which um well, unfortunately, unfortunately, we can't do anything about it, right? and I don't really want to go in there. Uh, I think what is important from the business perspective, uh, business needs talents, right, and business needs actually different talents and the idea you know in many different com- companies I worked, the idea is that and it's very clear on all the data you look at, the more diverse your um your employee force right or your workforce. Back to you as a company, and it's it's there is a direct relation between the uh, you know the uh, diversity and the the revenue uh, additional revenue the company enjoy right versus the peers who that do, do not have the same diversity. So the uh, I mean move of a talent, it's I think it's a normal thing in uh, in life and it should be happening. Uh, of course, you would see in the world there are different things which are done um in so in uh, we, we, with the idea to motivate let's say right the flow of the talent towards some place or uh, you know decrease the outflow of talent uh or bring nationalization in some countries right so it really depends on the very you know a lot of in economic and politics et cetera et cetera but the big economies in the world i mean you mentioned u k europe u uh, s they always been a net consumer of talents, right? Because they they always needed people who come with a different perspective, with a different culture, with a different view of how solve the things, right? And um, you know, and uh, I think it's good, right? And uh, you know, in in US, I think the best example is Elon Musk, right? Who is coming from South Africa, who is pretty much. Uh, done a very strong uh, businesses in different industries, right? Uh, You talk about, uh, um, I don't know, aerospace industry, talk about car industry, right? And he disrupted really quite conservative industries. Um, When you go to the, um, you know, to Europe, it's also very similar things, right? Uh, A lot of enterprises, a lot of companies being uh, founded or being working uh, with the people who come outside France. And that's something uh, uh which is positive and i i believe should be uh, uh should, should be motivated right and should be helped on from the government perspective so uh, from my perspective the you know you know you have always the the countries uh, which are uh kind of a magnet for the talents because of the high high, high development high growth rates so i'm talking about us uk uh, europe and those are always going to be needing new talents and new people who would come with a different view with a different perspective and different experience it's you know it's difficult uh, both for countries and for the people who come in um, you mentioned that you know the salary difference for example right you can have I don't know whatever let's say X in one place and X plus 200 percent in another place but you you know, I was working in the chart quite a bit, and uh, you have to look at the both sides. You have to look at the what you're gonna make in there and what is the cost gonna be of you living in there. So you know it's uh, it's not just enough to earn a lot of money, but you also have to live in the country, right? Uh, the taxes normally would be higher in uh, uh, in those countries. the the medical services would be more expensive. The living, cost in general would be higher, right? I don't know, renting an apartment, having a, a car, et cetera, et cetera. So it is true that, you know, some countries do have an elevated levels of salaries, but normally what comes with it is elevated level of cost as well, right? And especially if you have a family, if, you, if you're if you not alone, I don't know, you have your parents, et cetera, et cetera, right?
0: No, that that totally makes sense. And there's there's been lots of, arguments on Twitter, especially that I've come across recently where you know individuals were saying, okay, uh, you know, y- you'd much rather go to the UK and work an entry-level job than you know be mid-level somewhere, uh, you know, and they throw a different country here, there, they they, they compare this and that. But um yeah, no, I think I think I, I agree with you that fundamentally, you know, it it, it comes down to your, your living costs, you know, are you, are you going to be there with a the family, etc. And um, also looking at the broader policy scene of, okay, can I get a visa to to, to even go there in the first place? But no, I, I, I think the, the, the conversation of talent and talent mobility is super interesting. And that's, that's probably one of the many um, things that you've come across in your consulting career right so mm-hmm. if if we switch if we switch to your advisory role and mm-hmm. you know some of the work that you've been able to do when it comes to helping companies to increase their revenues you know by optimizing mm-hmm. sales performance etc um or or actually innovating their business models that's mm-hmm. that's some of the work that you know you've you've particularly been heavily involved in in a large part and and quite successfully at at that are there any, you know, specific go-to ways that you know you'd approach the business ecosystem when it comes to solving a business's problem? Right? Are, are there are there certain models or frameworks that you know you particularly found yourself using a lot when it came to actually figuring out okay, how do how do you make this company work better, or or, or how do we measure that in the in the first place? What what are some of the tools that you you would use in in that capacity okay
1: yeah no I mean as, as you rightly said uh, uh, well I mean in general consulting business is very uh, is very there's lots of variety of what uh, the consulting companies do and um, yeah I mean there's lots you know each company believe to come up with their own framework in a sense right or tools which work so you'd very often you would see like a big names like McKinsey, for example, right? They have their own framework, how they come up, on how the let's say the the change in the company should be done, right? because it's not only enough to I mean, in general to you know to do on like if if you look at the at the standard consulting framework, you would see that you know the, the, the consulting company comes, they, they come to assess a problem, right? And to understand what is the issue, diagnose what is the issue, then suggest the, the, the solution and then implement the solution. And uh, this process in general in, uh, in, in, in business terms would be called the change management, right? And there is very various different uh, frameworks or suggestions how to do this uh, change management. Uh, for example, McKinsey, talks about that, you know, you need to understand the problem, give the people the knowledge of how to do it, help them to do the change, but you also have to implement or embed this change into the management system of the company or in their tools, for example, which they work day to day, right? Like the uh, the management tools, the, uh, the software which is used in the company so that the change will stick. And that's, I think, one of the biggest concerns or challenges, I would say, in the consulting business is not just to uh, solve the problem or help the company to uh, to reach, to resolve some issues, but actually to make sure that the problem ceases to exist, right? And then the company actually keeps on doing the um, the right things, right? And uh, so the problem disappears by itself, and that that is a big thing, which is not just going into the tools, not just going to experience, but actually to the human behavior, right? And that's where it starts to be very, very complex because you know people normally do not like to change. It's you know they like to do the things how they know to do, how they're comfortable with, and yet um, it's it's a very big um, topic on how to help people to change and how to make sure that they stick with this new habit, right, and this new way of working, if you will.
0: I I actually like that you brought up the concept of habits as a part of consumer behavior, because that fundamentally is, is is what it is. And a business, if we think about it, is a tool to incentivize a certain type of consumer behavior, maybe around a product or a service, right? Yeah. And- mm-hmm. An, an an interesting thing that I had come about when 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 I was working in business development. So mm-hmm. also also looking. So, so I was working in in, in fintech. So at Visa, okay. so we are looking at 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 credit cards and debit card usage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of part of part of the role at at business development involved figuring out why someone is not changing their behavior, right? So figuring out okay, number one, what is their behavior? So looking at data like we had spoken about earlier, you know user data, reviews, etc um, you, you know and there's even a step before that you have to incentivize them to give you that data or you know figure out how to collect it Indeed. Indeed. great right. and and so I, I think a, a question to you and maybe you can give us a specific experience, etc, but you know what what has been the hardest consumer behavior? change that you've, you've, you've had to induce, right? So maybe through a business and the product that it's trying to sell or service. Uh, and you know, how, how did you go about doing that? Because I can see here, a, a lot of the work that you've done has mm-hmm. been, you know, e- exactly that.
1: Yeah, no, you you you're right. It's uh, I, I've been doing quite a bit of it because you know whenever you come across to a different business, or a different client, or a different crowd, right? It's it's always very important to I think first to understand them and understand why they're doing what they're doing, right? Even if they're doing it right or wrong, it doesn't matter. But understand why they're doing it right and what is the background. And um, I think the I would just take maybe example from my HR perspective, right? So, um, you know, when I had an HR role, I was working in the oil and gas industry, which is fairly conservative industry, right? When I'm saying conservative, it means they, they don't like to change the things. Um, they don't like to, let's say, bring someone who is having a different view on the stuff, right? So they, they like the things to be comfortable, right? It's and, a legacy
0: uh, industry. Like a absolutely. Country. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, you're
1: right. Yeah. And, you know, that type of behavior, unfortunately, protrudes to the, when we talk about diversity, for example, right? Uh, when we're trying to have nationality or gender diversity, whichever way you look at it, right? And, um, I mean, obviously, we, especially in the oil and gas, it's a bit... Uh, masculine maybe right uh, type of conservative environment so having a, a female manager is a bit of awkward for for the people for the folks around right and that was you know as a charm manager one of my role was to develop and to uh, motivate the diversity female specifically as managers right in the senior level and um I mean it was tough i have to admit uh, you know doing things like that is always very difficult because people do not you know very often you would see managers are biased right so they they don't judge at uh, you know on the personal profile based on the uh, experience or based on the what people know and what they can do Rather than saying, "Oh, but you know, she's a girl; she might not be able to do this work," or well, "No, she's a guy from I don't know from uh, let me I don't know from China; he would not be able to work in US, for example, right?" And it's I think the big part of having this uh, change in the behavior very often, you know, especially when you're talking about subtle subjects like this, like NHR, is being to uh, call off the biases, right, and call off um, this improper behavior in a sense, right? And saying, look, you have to realize that what you're doing right now is not based on facts. What you're doing is based on um, some of your beliefs, right? Or some of what, I don't concepts you think thinking, right? But actually, when you look at the facts and when you realize that, you know, this was a, a fantastic performer, right? Um, you realize that actually that that's that's the best job for this person, right? And actually the place is going to uh, have a lot of benefits and value a lot that the person comes, right? And I think it's it protrudes to the other things, right? Whenever you're trying to change your behavior to people, you really need to operate with the facts. You really need to be able to show them what they're doing is perhaps not the best solution, right? And there are better options. And it's not just only the... You know, it's not a, only the, the power of charisma um, influencing influencing people in a sense. It has also to be done via the logic, right? Via the data you have. And I found it very often that the persuasion is based on those two things, right? It has to be um, it has to be logic. It has to be the passion as well, right? Because the people do need to see their value in why they are changing and what they're doing. And that's where the data happens to to help a lot, right? Because it's it shows how the things can be done differently and what are the benefits actually both sides are going to have from it.
0: No, definitely. I think one one thing that just came to mind was the the, the three different elements of is it per- persuasion or you know it, when when you're trying to incentivize someone to do something or to or to believe something. So using logos pathos and ethos exactly as the the three what what what, is that something that is is that a way that you would categorize some of the tactics you'd use and and maybe maybe you could drop some of the knowledge you have with 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 using that as as an approach for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is
1: i mean yes you're, you're absolutely right you have to kind of touch on all three things right but in some cases, you have to be very simple, perhaps, right, and very visual in a sense, right? So I can give you a very known example in the business world when, I don't know, for example, a company wanted to do the change in, uh, in the supply chain practices, right, and their purchasing practices. And all the managers would say, no, you know, we are fine with what we do and how we do it. And it's, you know, uh, a person who was put in charge of the project, all he's done, he said, okay, I'm going to do a very simple illustration, right? And what he's done, he looked at the different type of the gloves the company is buying because it was an industrial company. So they're using the different departments, different uh, manufacturing places. And uh, he uh, collected about 400 different samples of gloves the company was buying in different countries and by different departments. And, you know, with the price tag varies from $2 per pair of gloves to the uh, $52 per pair of gloves. And then he brought it all and pretty much showed to the board of directors, right? And when when people see things like that, they start realizing that something is not working and that things has to be changed urgently, right, right now it's you know sometimes you have to go to very simple examples right and just touch only one side right which is emotional side and that's what uh, the you know one of the very known examples in the business world for example illustrates when a person who was in charge to reform or change let's say this the purchasing practices in the company all he's done he just went around in the different departments of the companies you know international big company manufacturing and uh, pick up the sample of the gloves they're using every day, right? As a personal protective equipment for work. And it's occurred to me that the company had uh, over 400 different types of gloves they're buying, uh, you know, with a price tag going from $2 to $500, right? And um, the idea is that in reality, they need only two or three types of the gloves. And, you know, when he... Collected all of this and bring it to the table of the board uh, room, for example, when they had a board meeting. The people were shocked, right? They were shocked to realize that that's that's a huge waste of money, right? I mean, if I if I'm if I'm buying if I'm paying, I don't know, hundred dollars for a pair of gloves, which has cost me two dollars in uh, you know somewhere where I can buy it in bulk. It's a huge waste of money for a corporation, right? And, you know, he didn't use any logic, he didn't use any uh, uh, any persuasion. Well, he used only the emotional side of it, right? So you would see, you know, things that can be very, very different in the world. But um, yeah, in general, you have to look at the logic. And that's why I was mentioning the data. You have to touch the uh, the, the emotions of people, right, and bring them back and say, look, remember how you were the first-time manager, right? How was it for you? Remember when you did start the work? How was it for you? You know, how difficult was it, right? So be uh, mindful about it when, you know, working with your people, right? And help them not to have the same problems as you have in the past, right? So, you know, you have to be very careful on one hand, but on the other hand, very factual in when you're you, you going through uh, and trying to change the, the behavior of people.
0: Uh, if we're to look at if we're to look at the rate of change as well Mm -hmm. right that's that's also something to be considering because an interesting quote that I came across and I'd like I'd like to just hear your thoughts on that one Mm -hmm. is that you know when when you're in a fast business ecosystem Mm -hmm. you need to slow down your decision making in the sense of like y- y- your decision making should not necessarily be hasty just by virtue of the fact that the business e- ecosystem or fast industry fast. is moving very fast what what are your thoughts on that and and i ask this because sometimes you know we we feel pressure to you know innovate really really fast and iterate because you know an- another thing that we have kind of touched on, you know, from afar is listening and taking in feedback and iterating something mm-hmm. to make it better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's a function and a, and, and a result of the fact that there's competition out there. And like we're saying, we're now in a global village. So mm-hmm. things are much easier, trade is much easier. Also, that means that your competition is not just your neighbors now. Now it's someone in the neighboring country or the, or a neighboring continent, even.
1: No, so, absolutely.
0: absolutely. Yeah. And, and so should, should decision-making, even as young entrepreneurs or people who are, you know, entering business or are seeing things for the first time out there, like, how, how would you advise going about decision-making when, when it comes to trying to innovate? I also ask, cause, you know, even us here at the podcast, with with the team, that's something we ask ourselves, right? We we could have a new feature every week just because feedback said so, you know, yeah. but does that haste in decision making really actually help us rather than taking time to make make that kind of move? What what have you what have you seen out there?
1: I, I don't think you would have a very simple answer to this question. Uh, I think it really depends on the industry. Um, You know, I've been in the industry which does uh, uh, you know move very fast, and you have to make a decision fast. But nevertheless, your decision making has to be consistent, right? And uh, you know, as a manager, you don't really do the decision making in isolated in isolated case, right? You always have to think about your values, and you always have to think about your strategy because that has to be uh, you know, aligned with, uh, with the decisions you're making every day. Um, I would say values of your personal values, values of, of the company you're working for or with, um, those are kind of a guidance for you on how to make the decisions, right? And um, your strategy is helping you to understand what are the decisions you need to make, right? And it depends on it. It can be fast. It can be slow, right? I mean, you have examples of, I don't know, for example, take uh, Xiaomi. is a uh, Chinese uh, manufacturing of, of, the, of the phones and software, right? They send in the uh, updating the software every week, right? Every Friday, you have an update of the software. And then they include some uh, new features, some bugs resolved, etc., etc., right? And that's something that's a part of their strategy, that's a part of their business model. They they wanted to be the ones who are very agile, who is doing it very, every week, and the people know that you know whatever problems they incurred would be potentially solved in the next week, right? You know, you have some other industries, I don't know, like uh aeronautic industry, right? You take Boeing or Airbus or somebody like that, right? know making quick decisions in their case is not uh, something natural or something good for the industry right so because every feature any every change they're making has to be tested has to be certified etc etc right so that kind of slows down the system in a sense but also it minimizes the risks on a certain you know to a certain extent as well so again i don't have the, the 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 simple answer for you it really depends on the industry but um you know you asked uh, for the uh, uh, my sort of take on the on decision making and right. i think it's, it's difficult, right i think it's one of the most difficult thing for managers to Definitely. um to, to you know to be good in decision making and you know you can learn the things like that right uh, you can train yourself uh, you're not necessarily being born with a feature like this right uh, but I think it's important to, for me at least, it was always important to remember the values, right? And if whenever I make any business decision for the business, for the company, for people, I was always thinking, you know, whether it's coherent, where is it aligned with the values I have, person, and the company has. And if it's not aligned, then I would stop and uh, you know think about this decision, right? And see... If I miss something, right, or if there is an, another way to do to, to do this decision or you know to to pursue this option, because you know the important, pretty much for any company in the world, the, the most important asset is uh, the people, right? And if the company is not thinking about people every day and every manager not think about every minute and every decision, you know, you call in for for a problem.
0: No, I I definitely agree with that and. You know, I find I find that if if we if if you look back at your career in consulting, you know, Mm -hmm. you've 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 actually done a lot that's people focused. And Mm -hmm. you know, just one of the things that was just coming to mind as you were speaking is is the fact that, you know, even as you're answering the questions, I think you you always find a way to bring the people back 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 into the mix. Right, uh, and and I think it's it's just reminiscent of some of the some of the models in you know human centered design that we, we hear a lot about and have actually dominated a lot of how brands go out there, etc. Uh, I think a a question that I'm I'm curious about and just about yourself, Sergey, mm-hmm. w- what's exciting you right now? You know, I I think at at any point or stage you know there's always a couple of topics out there or, or 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 trends that you know someone is excited about or has gone down a significant rabbit hole trying to figure out uh, <laughs> so, so so for you what what what's that looking like right now what's 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 piquing your interest um
1: look i'm uh well i'm, I'm in general a very excited person right so i'm i'm easily excited about a new project about the new things but i think in general um uh, the excitement i have now is uh, you know the ability to see how the data how the you know new data management models can actually help you to change the business right and how it it's amazing what the things you can know now as a manager which you didn't know 10 years ago right i don't know from simple things of uh, forecasting for example you know 10 years ago you would go and do okay here is my historical performance. So uh, let's say in the next quarter, I think it's going to be similar. So this is what the revenue I'm going to have, right? That had drastically changed in the last, uh, I would say five years, right? When you start looking at at the business more as what the business is capable of doing, not what historically it's done, right? And that uh, gives you a lot of um, uh, different... Um, Opportunities, right? As a company, as a business. And, you know, you go to different industries, right? I don't know, consulting, for example. It's super exciting because, you know, nowadays you can look at the things and you can monitor the things in the real time, right? And you can see what intervention was done and whether you need to correct it a little bit, right? Or tuned it a little bit for it to work, you know, to, to have your ideal case, for example. You know, you talk about training people, for example. Uh, before, it's it was pretty much um, you know, straightforward. You, you bring people for a training, you give them the lecture, uh, I don't know, via presentation or via something else, and then you, know, you do the test. So whether they got it or they don't get it, you, you don't really know, right? But now you can do a lot of different things, right? You can understand and measure the retention of information, for example, right? And how much actually from 100% people recalled, right? Is it 20%? Is it 80%? And based on what you see, you can customize your next training, right? You can change your training and say, okay, look, you know, maybe out of 10 topics, two topics did not come through, right? And people did not get what I'm trying to to tell. So, you know, I I need to change the material, right? I need to adjust the things. Maybe I put more interaction. Maybe I put it more interactive training, right? People learn through the games, um, you know, gamification, for example. You know, th- things like that, it's, it's amazing, right? So the opportunity it brings to the, um, to the environment, to the companies, to people even, right? Uh, um, you know, you're talking about industrial companies, right? When, um, you know, 10 years ago, you had to, um, yeah, you know, to, make the, to, to manufacture the details from the metal, from anything, right? It's a lot of waste right you, you you make a big detail then you you use different machines to machine it to, to the things you need um, now you just do the uh, 3d printing right you design the detail and do 3d printing and the amount of material you use is only 20 percent of it right so i think those new capabilities of uh, digital and the data fused let's say with the new innovations they're opening a, 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 an amazing opportunities, right for for future, and I think we just need to, as people as companies to be more responsible, perhaps on how we are using them, but also be um, you know, open minded in a sense,
0: right, and trying new things. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, Sergey. I definitely do believe that, you know, as as data becomes easier to gather and people are able to read and and gain more insights from, you know, products that they're using, you know, services, et cetera, can be tailored better and better for people, right? Although there's still that argument going around of, you know, how much data is too much data, right? So uh, how much (laughs) much does someone really need to know about me? And, you know, as these algorithms are getting smarter and smarter, Mm Mm-hmm. they're able to create a very very accurate map of you as an individual and what you like what what you don't like yeah. um do, do you think that we should i don't know let's say shy away from oversharing our data right to, you know there's that there's that push and pull going on between give out more data get better products and services versus You know, give a lot of my data and you know it ends up being used unethically in one way or or another, right? How how do you personally go about that? Because you work with data a lot, you collect data as well, and you also you know protect certain data from you know, there's a lot of elements of confidentiality, etc. You've spoken of. So what 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 are your quick thoughts?
1: Um well, I think we need to be responsible, you know, like we're, we're trying to be responsible with different things. Data is no difference for me. Uh, we have to be responsible, right? As you said, we have to be mindful on, the, you know, on collecting the data, the only data we need, right? Not collecting all the data, um, being mindful about manage, how we manage it, how we store it, how we uh, use it, right? And um I think there was a great book a couple of years ago which called uh, weapons of math destruction. I was exactly uh, talking about the you know like the fun. bad cases or the I don't know yeah. the worst cases of using the data and algorithms right and it was talking actually about that you know we have to be responsible on how we are treating and uh, using the algorithms because um, you know we cannot Blindly believe that the algorithm is going to do our job. It's not going to be the case, right? It's the algorithm as good as as, as the uh, as the coding being done on it, right? But again, algorithms as people, we are we are biased. We are you know judge. We are judging based on our own you know background, experience, culture, traditions, a lot of different things, right? And when you know when you use the algorithms irresponsibly you 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 would have problems right and um, I think we just have to be responsible. We have to be mindful and thinking how we use the data and what for
0: i I totally agree with you that there. there's there's definitely a lot of precaution that it's going to take on our end, but also responsibility that and, and accountability that must be taken on the part of the companies that are that are managing um, this data, but uh, Sergey, this brings us to the end uh, elements of our conversation here today and you know you, as, as you're leaving some of the things that you know uh, I'm, I'm going to be walking away thinking a lot about is you know problem solving from a people and data-driven element of, 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 of things, because I've really picked up that that's, that seems to be your edge, I think. So if, if any of your competitors are, are listening to this podcast, they, <laughs> I think they might have figured it out. But um, Sege, we like to do a segment at the end of our podcast recording, where we basically have you in an elevator. And we do quick fire questions and yeah, get to know a bit more about yourself and you know, maybe a few things that we haven't picked on within our conversation, right? Absolutely. So I'm ready. So picture. Yeah. So so picture this, Sage. Okay. We've just had our conversation, we've shook hands, signed papers, signed checks and whatever. You know, board, boardroom things. Mm-hmm. And so we're walking out and you get approached by an intern who quickly enters the elevator just mm-hmm. as it's closing, gets you in there and our boardroom banter intern cu- has always has curated questions each week for the guests. so are you are you ready to are you ready to step in the elevator? I'm ready. Awesome. Let's do it. So. The first question is what is one thing in your work or life that you simply do not compromise on um safety of people mm. the safety of people so the people around you people at work everyone. absolutely
1: yeah the people around me the people uh, who you know who work with me or for me uh yeah, I, I make sure that, you know, there is nothing which will compromise their safety and everybody comes home uh, the way, uh, you know, they, they went out of the home,
0: right? Awesome, awesome. The next question is going back to the COVID pandemic time, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and I mean, in most countries, we're kind of still in, in that phase, of, we're being weaned out. What are some of the habits that, you picked up during that stage that have actually, you know, carried on with you. And yeah, you're really grateful for, because I know it was a time where people were building new habits. Uh, some of us were starting podcasts, you know, like lots, lots of, lots of things to cope with the pandemic. So yeah. what, what are some of the things you picked up? Um, I think it's three things uh, which comes into mind,
1: right? So I start to read more regularly than I had been before. And that's, uh, I I keep on uh, this habit because I I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, The second one is, uh, I think I learned a bit more on how to manage the balance between work life and family life. So I I, I start to be more balanced in a sense, I believe so. And um, the third thing, uh, uh, I think I I start to, to do sports regularly since pandemic, because that kind of brought, I think COVID brought the opportunity to do it, but you realize that uh, it's it's a very good habit, right? Especially when you have a very stressful environment working, it's in a sense kind of giving you this relaxation and uh, switch time a little bit when you kind of doing a physical activity and then you come back with a very different mindset, right? And a very different uh, relaxed
0: uh, state of mind. Yeah, definitely. We, I, I know just us alone as the the, the founders at Boardroom Banta. I know we've picked up so many things during mm-hmm. this time. So yeah, we totally resonated with you on that. My last question is: yeah. if if you were to quit your work today mm-hmm. and do one thing for the rest of your life, you don't have to worry about money nothing like that like you're sorted let's say you you, you just sold a unicorn <laughs> and, oh, <gosh>. and <laughs> you've, 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 you've retired maybe not sold a unicorn but you've retired mm-hmm. and there's one thing that you can do like for the rest of your time what what what's that Oof. i have two things so i have to combine them
1: i would be yeah, sure. traveling and writing the books Oh, writing books while traveling. Let's put it
0: this way. Writing books while traveling. That that sounds like a lot of fun. And hopefully we are still in touch when you retire and we'll check in on you and make sure that you've got some books that you're writing. Because definitely as we have all seen here uh, and to everyone listening, as we have heard, Sege, you've got a lot of experience and a lot of, you know gems that we'd like to see explored in a book or or, or whatever so Sergei, is there is is there anywhere that you'd like people to find you if anyone wants to find you or um yeah I, uh, I mean well th- first of all thanks a lot for inviting
1: um yeah yes. my contacts can okay. be found in linkedin uh, there is a mail address uh or linkedin message so please feel free to reach me if you If you want to talk about something or you need uh, some view on some perspective,
0: I would be happy to help. Anytime, anytime. So that's been our episode today. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. From myself, Sean, and our fantastic guest, Mr. Voropayev, We want to wish you a great week ahead. We want to wish you success in everything that you are working on or thinking of working on. Go out there and kill it, guys. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast episode and see you guys on the next one.